Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could have edited that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I said all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Philip Vacushion, a new talent in contemporary fiction with modern marriage. Philip is also a GP and draws from his background in contemporary Australian fiction. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you on today, Philip. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honour. <laughs> now, I just, I've known you a little bit on Twitter, you know, we've had these sort of sharing experiences on social media. And I remember you, I don't know how long ago this was now, but I remember you saying you were pitching this story and you were really nervous about it. And then I remember seeing another tweet saying, oh, someone likes it and they wanted to see the full manuscript and then, oh, it's picked up and now you're getting published. And I feel like I've followed this journey on Twitter and it's been such an exciting journey for an observer. And so when you know, your book came out and I think your publicist contacted me, I'm like, oh yes, I need to speak to Philip <laughs> because I've seen this awesome journey of you know, being an aspiring writer to publishing this incredible story. So tell me about this story. Yeah, so, um, so the journey to the story. So I, um, COVID was kind of a blessing in disguise. Um, I had written Modern Marriage in 2018 on my phone during my lunch break, just as a reason, as a way wow. to be creative and mm. just, just something to do other than um, read the news. Um, so kind of in, in bite-sizes, uh, bite bite-sized chunks, I would um, escape during my lunch break and write. And then when COVID happened, um, you know, it, it was such a shake in life, you know, everything was different and it gave us, gave me a bit of pause and like, oh, what can I actually do with this? And I, um, I did a course through Australian Writer Centre about, I think, how to pitch your, your book. And it, it went kind of step by step, you know, through competitions and pitching things and, and submission guidelines for things. And I found that the Australian Society of Authors were doing this, um, 
three minute Zoom pitch. And because of COVID, I could apply to Melbourne and Sydney. Um, and, and so I applied for that. And luckily, again, thanks to COVID, I did the Sydney one as well, which is where I met my agent through the, through the Zoom pitch. And she said yes. Um, so I did it on a Friday. The next, the following Friday, she said, yes, I want to read it. Um, and then Monday morning at like 8 a.m., she called me. No, she sent me an email saying, call me urgently. And I called her and, you know, she said, I love your book. And she talked about the characters and I was crying and I couldn't believe it. You know, this was second wave in, in Melbourne lockdown, you know, really depressing time. And it was just this light in my day. And in my in my year in my life and <laughs> and um and then yes you know we signed a contract same day and three wow, weeks later fast. I got a contract yeah it went on submission straight away and three weeks later I got a publishing contract so wow. it all happened very quickly it was never my intention at all but until the COVID year and then you know I was like this is something I planned for something to do mm. and I'm so I'm pinching myself still really yeah yeah it's exciting yeah. I've got to say as an observer it was so exciting watching this <laughs> journey Philip. like it really was I was like rooting for you on the other side of Twitter going yeah that's amazing thank you yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I joined Twitter um yeah start of last year um pretty much as the pandemic hit and, you know, I'd been listening to your podcast and listening to lots of podcasts and I automatically just, you know, followed everyone. And so I've been uh, the same to you before. You know, I know you, I feel like I know you intimately. <laughs> I've listened, to, you know, I've been to the University of Words and Nerds podcast because seriously, it's been, you know, I used to spend every time, every lunch break or um, driving or kind of long session before I had kids of just lazing around at home listening to podcasts and it was really my education um, in writing because I have no background in writing at all. Yeah and look it's been the same for me you know speaking to these incredible authors and illustrators from you know all different experiences and genres it's been an absolute university for me too it's been absolutely priceless so I'm glad it's the yeah. same, same, been the yeah. same for you. <laughs> and it just keeps it's a gift that keeps on giving because there's always you know, the sessions that you do with agents and publishers and other authors and uh, just, it's amazing. So well done. Oh, yeah, I'm so you. proud to be here. I can't <laughs> believe you want to speak to me. <laughs> That's very kind, Will. Thank you. Now, I loved Modern Marriage. It was just one of those novels that really resonated with me for many reasons. But before we get into all of that, can you give us an elevator pitch for the yeah. book? Yeah, so it's set in 2017 against the backdrop of the marriage plebiscite. And the central character is Clara. She's a cosmetic doctor who at the start of the book has a seemingly perfect life. She's got a great job, great friends, a really sexy husband. And she's got a, a, that kind of perfect veneer of, of Botox and, and wrinkle-free face. Um, and it, it seems to her that the only thing that's missing is having a baby um, until she gets a call to say that her husband was found unconscious in a gay sauna. And there her life cracks and fishes and... Uh, she goes on a on a kind of journey to find out what the hell was going on and was mm. it all a lie? So many unanswered questions, which is, you know, the mystery thread throughout, which I just found fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, it got me thinking yeah. that, you know, all relationships or marriages or even friendships, you know, they may not have a secret to that extent, but, you know, many of them do have mm. those kind of um, secrets or things you may not want them to know. So it's interesting um, unpacking the complexity of those, of relationships. Was that something that really intrigued you? Absolutely. You know, I think um, growing up as someone who was hiding their sexuality, 
I was that person who was omitting, lying, um, you know, detracting. And it's when I came out, it was such a relief to not have to do that. It just saves yeah. so much energy and, and you know, worry. Um, so that's one factor. Um, the other factor is I work as a doctor and, you know, it's a safe place coming in to see a GP and people come in, you know, looking like, you know, every, they've got their everything, you know, all their stuff together. And, you know, they, they're usually coming with a problem and that is laid bare very, very quickly. And it's such a, a privilege to have that kind of job. And you really realize that we're all putting on a brave face. We're putting on makeup, we're, you know, packing our um, names with degrees, we're driving, you know, cars, all that kind of stuff to to make ourselves feel better or hide something. Not always, but a lot of that is, is armor that we, for good reason that we put on, you know, there's, there's good reasons for that. Um, but we all carry something um, uh, that we might be struggling with or trying to figure out or unsure of. And that is such rich uh, material for a book because I think it, it, it allows you to explore that, you know, mm. um, and, and that's what I did with, hopefully did. No, you did, did it brilliantly. Yeah. And mm. I really like that idea of, of vulnerability. I mean, you talked about, you know, I guess we're all, you didn't use the word broken, but we're all either feeling something or hiding mm. something or healing from mm. something. Um, mm. And, you know, we, we do the best we can, I think. I think most of us get up in the morning and think, well, how can I just do the best I can with whatever's going on in my life? And so you, you, know, you put on your makeup and you use your mm. Insta filter and you, you, know, you do all the things that are going to try and make you feel the best you can with whatever situation you're dealing with. And yeah. I find, you know, that really interesting too, that we just all put on that face. But I really like the idea of vulnerability. And I think as I've gotten older, I've really tried to lean into that instead of, you know, the bravado in your 20s or what I had when I was in my 20s, like everything's mm. fine. Mm. I think... Mm -hmm. You know, getting older and really leaning into that you know i don't have all my ducks in a row i'm probably never going to have my ducks in a row and being you know quite honest about that like do you find that once you sort of lean into that vulnerability it gets easier to manage it do you find experiences like that i totally agree with that and the other thing i i, I have i'm starting to realize as well is that that those issues that we might be dealing with and the, and those things that we might feel sensitive about can actually be a positive and, and using that as fuel and, and using that to be humble and realize that you don't know everything. Um, it does, it's not necessarily a, a character flaw. It can be used to a positive advantage if it isn't overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for Clara in the book, it is overwhelming. Um, she's lost in, in that idea of perfection. Um, but we know that n nothing is perfect and that's beautiful. That's, that's how it should be. Nothing is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I often think about that too, you know, flipping things on their head, like self-doubt, you know, if, I mean, we all carry that in some varying degrees, but I feel like your self-doubt does keep you humble and it often makes you work better because you think, well, you know, that's not the best I can do or is that the best I can do? So trying to flip those, you know, perceived negative traits or qualities on their head and saying, well, actually, you know, anxiety makes me a little bit more cautious or you know self-doubt makes me a little bit more humble like they can be good yeah. things yeah absolutely and and i think that also translates into relationships you know my, my husband and i have have been a, a couple's counselor on and off for years he's a psychotherapist so it was always going to happen <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's such an education like sometimes we turn up to a session and i'm like what the hell are we here for like we don't fight 
there's nothing wrong you know <laughs> what a waste of money and then you're, you're there for an hour and it's kind of it's amazing you know because it's a space to work through those vulnerabilities those insecurities mm. those those things that might that you kind of just nudge through um and I think that it, that's great because I think it's made our relationship actually deeper um le leaning into those mm. difficulties you know um it's it's made it so much richer as opposed to just saying everything's fine everything's fine it's like let's practice oh, talking about difficult things and I it's been that. yeah it's been I mean I would never it, it would never occur to me um I'm kind of one of those like everything's fine um <laughs> but he's a psychotherapist and I'm so grateful because it's 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 you know it's helped us a lot yeah mm, that's fantastic because I'm assuming that most people do couples therapy when they're experiencing issues or when mm -hmm. they need some help and they may mm. be at you know the end of a journey or close to the end of a journey when maybe things have gotten out of hand but I love how you go just to talk about your current relationship that's yeah. amazing yeah you know it's like learning to swim when the the ship's sinking like it's yeah. the worst time to learn yes um you know it's trying to practice when things are good and things are healthy to you know practice being a bit uncomfortable and mm. practice talking about difficult things because you know that things are actually fine <laughs> i mean it seems counterintuitive um but it's been amazing yeah but i love I that like, as well yeah like putting that time aside because your life gets busy you're working you know some mm. people have children and you've got all this other stuff going on yeah. but being forced to have that time to actually talk about your relationship i think that's really special Absolutely, absolutely. If only Clara had done it with Dante <laughs> in the book. <laughs> but then you have no book, Philip. I know, I know. Exactly. You need tension and you need disaster. <laughs> and I wouldn't have been up all night reading it. So what else would I have done, Philip? <laughs> um, so the book explores the self-loathing of someone, um, Clara, and, you know, she turns this situation that is, you know, pretty much out of her control, sort of on herself. Mm. And and then there's you know experiences of self-harm as well and you know yeah. it's quite dark and it, it's quite tragic talk me through mm -hmm. this and why that was important for you to explore um so i'm not a plotter so the book really just evolved on its own obviously through editing it's changed you know uh, intentionally um but you know working as a doctor i i have seen a lot of mental health issues in the community up close. I mean, I've encountered my own, as I said, you know, with with hiding sexuality. Um, so, you know, I've, Clara's one of those perfectionists, people pleasers, um, and that tends to, you know, it's that kind of like ballet syndrome of, you know, keeping your weight in check and, you know, um, portion controls and all that kind of stuff goes is, is a type of um, self-harm um, for Clara her self-harm kind of comes out of the blue um, and she's almost too scared to call it self-harm because she thinks she's above that because she's a doctor and I, I see that again in my medical in the profession that I'm in you know we don't often like to admit to issues or we self-prescribe or we self-manage um, at the fear of looking like a patient, like a human <laughs> yeah. when we are, you know, um, and she suffers from that to a, to a pretty big degree um, when she discovers the secret that her husband's got. 
I like the idea, though, of what you said, that it doesn't matter what you are or what you project yourself to be, you're always human and you're mm. always going to have those vulnerabilities. And even if you are a doctor and you know you shouldn't be doing this and you helped people who had a similar issue, it's interesting that you can't escape your humanness. Exactly, exactly. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a, not a massive problem in the medical community, but it's a problem enough. Um, mm. So so that's, that, yeah, portrayed a little bit in the book as well. Mm, yeah. I find that really interesting. And we shouldn't want to escape our humanness or our vulnerability. I mean, I think they're really important things. And like you said, if you're just one of those people who say everything is fine, and I was when I was younger, I think that's when, you know, you, you fall harder and <laughs> things are yeah. much harder to process because you're not giving yourself the opportunity or the space to be vulnerable. Exactly, exactly. And also there's this then imagined barrier between you and patients that you're kind of better than them, mm. but that this would never happen to you. Or that's obviously wrong. And actually, if you can empathize with your humanity, you're probably going to be a better doctor. You're going to be a better health practitioner if you can show some humanity and, and be on the same level playing field, which mm. we all are, you know? Mm. Yeah. Amazing. I love this. And, you know, because you are a GP, the seeds of this novel were sown from an observation of a real life experience. Can you tell me about this? Yeah. So I, I had vaguely been aware of newspaper articles where just in, in the paper that men had been found unconscious in a gay sauna. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a weird thing to, you know, that kind of sticks in your mind. And then I actually had a colleague who managed a case like this. It wasn't my patient. It was a colleague in a different state. Um, and when she told me this story, I guess in the context of hearing about it happen in the past in, in, in newspaper articles, it just lodged in my brain. It was after that plebiscite year. So it was very charged in everyone's mind. It was in use constantly. And I guess I just thought, wow, imagine if he was there secretly. Um, imagine if he was married, imagine if she couldn't confront him, you know, if she went to the hospital and they told her, like, this is where he was found. How, if I was her, how angry I would feel and devastated at the same time. Um, and, you know, what kind of flow and effects would happen. Um, and it's just a tragic, <laughs> it's a tragic situation all around, you know, for him and for her and, and everyone around them. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's grounded in some truth. You know, and mm. it still happens. I, I actually spoke to a friend of a friend recently whose cousin was found unconscious in a gay sauna in in wow. in in, um, in a country in Africa just recently. Um, so it happens. Yeah, mm. it's just very sad that for whatever reason, you know, you can't be your authentic self. I mean, you touched on that a little bit with your own experiences and mm. how freeing it was just to be yourself. Mm. You know, I find it. Um, you know, I find that just so sad because you can't live that authentic happy life because for whatever reason and in this book it's that toxicity within the family of mm. you know being homophobic and not mm -hmm. accepting him and so he was forced into this sort of life so yeah. I, I found the toxicity of the family um troubling fascinating awful all of those things mm. tell me about mm. that yeah look it's you know it, it's it's an experience that's very familiar um I mean my my parents are absolutely wonderful but I had imagined them to be very unaccepting very homophobic and you know I think that they were just parroting things that they had read in the media or that 
people were around them were saying because they didn't really know any gay people and as mm-hmm. soon as I came out to them that all that all crumbled literally wow. within a millisecond oh, all all of it you know and mm-hmm. we have a great relationship they love my kids they love my partner um there's no issues at all um that doesn't happen to everyone obviously mm-hmm. um but I think even just not being accepted for a whole range of things yeah. you know, dating someone from a different ethnicity or your religious beliefs or you know your weird hobby you know people are so judgmental <laughs> for a whole range of things and unaccepting yeah. um so it, you know it, it can happen to anyone in any situation yeah absolutely mm. and I always think you know you're the only one who has to wake up to your life every single morning so you're the only one who should be able to make the decisions of what that looks like you know I absolutely think that's really important but that fear of rejection and shame oh, of course it's so powerful yeah, like it keeps people avoiding their living their yeah. reality forever sometimes yeah, you yeah. know and what a tragedy you get one life on the planet know, you know? know and as you get older i think that hits home a bit more and you think oh what am i going to do with the second half of this life you know if i'm lucky you know if i'm absolutely yes. so lucky to have you know the the second half as long as the first half what am i going to do with that uh, it, it totally and then also some I can imagine some people think well I've already done I've already lied for 40 years what's another 30 yeah. you know like I'm too far into it you yeah. know if you've created a life around whatever the lie is so it's so complicated human mm. nature we're just we're, we're so well, and there's no right or wrong preservation isn't it exactly yeah. exactly and even for you you know to think and thank you for being so honest but you mm. know thinking that your parents weren't accepting you you know you could have mm. prolonged that um situation and yet they were so beautifully accepting you know like oh yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely I mean it creates barriers you know mm. you're just not going to be as open that can be perceived as coldness or cruelty yeah. or or depression or whatever else and it can be perceived and whereas actually you're just giving this this thing going on in your mind um so the, to be able and 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 to be afforded the chance to be honest, whatever the situation is, mm. so liberating. It's yeah. so liberating. Does that make you parent your children differently? Undoubtedly, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think so. You know, I, you know, me and me and Matt, we, you know, we don't know. There's not a lot of gay dads. First of mm. all, we've got three kids. Um, so just the fact that we are allowed to be parents is a blessing. We didn't get pregnant accidentally. It was very intentional. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> Lots of, you know, planning. And so that kind of makes makes it even somehow maybe more, I don't know if it's more, but it makes it more really, really yeah, special. Look, I, I can't relate exactly, but my, my first child was IVF. So mm-hmm. I understand the deliberateness of it and the possibility yeah. of that not happening. So I yeah. understand that and, and the, reward, the reward, I don't want to say greater because I don't want to undermine anyone else's experiences, yeah. but... I felt it was a different experience for me, you know, thinking, yeah. oh, I'm so grateful mm. that this could have happened because there was a possibility it couldn't have happened. Yeah, and, I mean, for us, if this was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it just would not have yeah. happened, you know. Yeah. So so we're, we're constantly counting our blessings. Not to say that it isn't, you know, bloody hard <laughs> and that we're, like, <laughs> oh, sleepless here. nights. Lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Homeschooling. Um, <laughs> That's all I have to say. Know, <laughs> yeah, but it's like what we were saying at the start, you know, those difficulties kind of come, that kind of comes with the beauty as well. There's yeah. beauty in the, in the difficulty if you can, if you can see it, you know, and we try and find the beauty in the sleepless nights and the waking up <laughs> at 2am um, because it is, you know, and it's a short phase as well, yeah. you know, 
they, they will, they will sleep. They will, I yeah, promise. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> and I'm talking from an um, experience of a son who never slept more than three hours and then decided at nine months old would not sleep for more than 45 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> I remember someone talking to me and I'm like, there's no point. I don't even know my name. Just oh. <laughs> Were you just drinking coffee constantly? <laughs> Chocolate. That was my advice. I was just like, don't talk to me. Just make me a snack. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing is working. Yeah, but it passed. So yeah, good. absolutely. No, they're beautiful sleepers. <laughs> they're, they're seven and nine and they're beautiful sleepers. They sleep through the night most of the time. Except yeah. here, I'll freak you out again. My daughter's a sleepwalker. Oh, wow. So she will often go wandering in the middle of the night. So we have the alarm on on the downstairs. The yeah, we've got yeah. chains on the doors, got an right. alarm on the bottom. <laughs> but quite often the alarm will be going off at some stupid o'clock because she's gone for a walk asleep <laughs> in the house. You have to guide her back to bed. So Yes. Yeah, yes. Right. So that's fun. That's always a lot of fun. <laughs> well, we've got so we've got an almost two-year-old boy and eight-week-old twin girls. Oh um, wow, and... you are in deep. Oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's heavy. So <laughs> this is way we... past your bedtime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, you know, enjoying shampoos. Oh, um, good for you. For this Just occasion. hide in here for a bit longer. <laughs> Pretend the interview went for two hours. Yes. <laughs> I'm evil. A really good idea. <laughs> I got you back, Philip. I'll say, I just kept talking to you. <laughs> you asked, but we'll, we'll go. I need to be anywhere for half an hour. What are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Now, I do want to talk about marriage. It's a very complicated mm. thing that we all seem to, to mm. do. Now, on the very first page, you describe mm. uh, marriage as having cavernous lows and delicious highs. Tell mm. me about, tell me about this. Yeah, I think it's, it's bloody hard, um, <laughs> but it's also blissful. You know, it's, it's really giving yourself um, into someone and allowing that person to know everything about you, your ugly morning face, you know, your <laughs> gleeful, dance when something happy happens um it's just everything you know and no one will ever my at least for me I don't think anyone will ever know me like Matt Matt does and I, I feel like you know that hate and love can be symbiotic and you can you know we can have a fight about something and be like god I never want to see your face again and then <laughs> you know 20 minutes later you're like kissing and everything's fine and that's that's amazing because I don't mm. want to live a stagnant you know um what's what's the word just yeah just no no highs just and no exist. lows just yeah, yeah yeah I think that it, 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 they you need the dips and the highs mm. yeah and that yeah. was my next question because I thought you know I think we can all live with the delicious highs I think you know we mm. all want them the cavernous mm. lows well then they can come with the delicious highs I guess afterwards mm. um, but it's <laughs> it's the in-between business that's the hard bits the reality it's like you said the sleepless nights it's the mm. that kind of stuff that is probably the hardest bit the in-betweens of those do you think yeah absolutely and I think when everything's lovely and it's all celebrations and everything's going well you know it's it's that's not real life um and eventually something will happen and if if you haven't worked through those possibilities it can really break a relationship. Um, so, but th there's something beautiful about going through difficulties with something with someone and getting 
through the other side yeah, absolutely. Um, that deepens that deepens a relationship um mm. so and I don't think you have to be married to, to experience yeah. that um I just think you know any kind of maybe prolonged relationship or intense relationship mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean I I didn't really ever want to get married and I think maybe that was because we weren't allowed to so I just mm-hmm. maybe never let myself want to do that yeah want think that mm-hmm. I'd want to and Matt was more pro and then after it passed I think it was December 2017 we got married June the following year mm-hmm. yeah awesome and you know I think as well um you know I don't think you can ever lock yourself out of experiences you, know, you can just go with life and see where it takes exactly. you and yeah exactly otherwise you just any any kind of strong aversions is, is that is the thing actually controlling you, you know? yes. so you're right you need to be flexible and then it becomes your identity exactly you know and you got to be yeah. careful of that because like oh well even if now I want to do that that's now so ingrained in my <laughs> in yeah. my identity how do I yeah it's a big deal it becomes a bigger deal I think so yeah. absolutely yeah. and as we know with COVID anything life can oh, change in right? a blink oh. anything can happen you know you think you're going to work and oh. bam there's a pandemic and you, <laughs> you know, know what I feel like Oh, if COVID's taught me anything, I'm not, I'm not giving you compliments, COVID, but if it's taught me anything, it's to just, you know, really try to lean into the unexpected because when, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking during this lockdown, mm. um, you know, about my anxiety, et cetera, and anxiety is always trying to back, about controlling things and about mm. fear of things. And mm. I think I just got to the point when I think the cases in New South Wales got to 700, I got, got past the peak of, of Victoria, mm. I said to myself, well, I can't control this. You know, I'm staying at home. I haven't left the house in 11 weeks. I can't do anything else to control this. And so once, and I'm still getting my head around this, but once you sort of understand that you can't control a whole lot, it's scary, but it's almost freeing in some ways. Totally, totally. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a control of you if, if, if it's, um, affecting decisions, if it's affecting your sleep, that kind of stuff. I mean, we all have bits of anxiety. I think that's healthy, but when it's overwhelming or mm. it's persistent or it's affecting your decisions, then, then you know, um, realising that is, is so liberating. And sometimes you realise it, but then you forget it. <laughs> you need to realise it again, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. weeks or months later or it's a different issue. And that, that's so that's so common. Mm. I mean, I've been seeing a lot of patients through this pandemic who have never had any mental health issues, okay. ever, nothing. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, panic attacks, right. you know, um, anxiety, de- yeah. depression. You know, it's, it's, it's a big thing. It's a it's big real. change for yeah. a lot of people. It is. Yeah. It is. And I think... Um, for me, I'm still a work in progress because this is just kind of a new thing in my head. But for me, I got to the point where I was like, I'm just sick of being afraid. You know, I'm sick of being afraid of everything. And that's what anxiety is, afraid of being unable to control things, afraid of what's going to happen in the future. And, and when the COVID numbers kept going up, I just, a part of me just said, I'm tired of being afraid. So what am I going to do about that? You know, yeah. so it's interesting how, you know, you, once you reflect on those things and like we said, mm. trying to flip the negative into something positive, well, what are you going to do about this anxiety? You know, I sp- Absolutely. I'm sure you know, you familiar that I speak about my anxiety a lot yeah. because it helps me own it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think sharing this kind of stuff is so valuable um, because it just takes, you know, sometimes you've heard the same thing maybe four or five times and it just, to hear it what, that seventh time yeah. and something just clicks. Um and sharing those experiences is so 
so precious because yeah. you, you, you never, I mean, you have such a, a wide audience. You never know how that can help someone. Um, so yeah, well done for sharing. And well, you've got to you. balance out the filtered Instagram photos, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, totally. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so guilty of using those filters because I love them so much. I'm like, I need to balance it out with some reality. <laughs> I haven't got Instagram, so but I, know, I, I know that there's filters. <laughs> Evil filters. Once you use the filter, you can never go back from the filter. <laughs> Stay away from Instagram. Your face it's looks too flawless with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know how they say it's all about lighting and makeup? Mm. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> there's another little secret from <laughs> you've gotten from me. I was meant to get the secrets from you, Philip. <laughs> Turn the tables. Well, I can here. give you Botox and filler tips. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, All right, so well, what other tips? What other tips? <laughs> well, um, you know, starting early. <laughs> really? No, no. I've I'm heard joking. this, but I, no, I don't know. Look, you know, I, you'd be surprised how many people get, particularly Botox and Dysport, the muscle relaxant, you know, because it's, it just softens up the face. Um, fillers, you know, is more volume and, mm. and lifting and that kind of stuff. But you'd be surprised. I mean, I see a lot of men. I see a lot of um, women. I see lots of different professions, um, older, younger. I think it's like anything. You can overdo it. And I think mm -hmm. we're all aware of people that overdo it. Yeah. But there's a lot of people who are doing it sporadically, once a year, a couple of times a year, every, you know, every now and then just to, like you would maybe go and get a mani-pedi or mm -hmm. something else, you know. So it's just another way of people expressing themselves. But, and there's also medical indications. You know, people get it for migraines, they get yes. it for jaw clenching, all yep. sorts of stuff. So, um, Can you get it for jaw? Okay. <laughs> this has mm. now turned into a doctor's GP session. <laughs> Are you talking about teeth grinding? Yes. Oh, yes. it's a really good treatment. You put really? it here in, in, in the mandible, yeah, in the jaw, this big muscle that yeah, clenches yeah. down, it relaxes it. Um, and it's a really mind blown. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if you get TMJ, this TMJ dysfunction, this pain oh, up here in this I joint. Do. That's exactly what I get. Yeah. So there's good physio for that, um, for release. Um, you can get a brace from from a dentist and and it's and it, um, like a mouth guard to protect your teeth. But Botox here or Dysport um, <laughs> relaxes the jaw. Yeah, it's really really good. I you love how this has turned into. into a... Yeah, it's turned into a counselling session. We were talking about a book at some point. And now I'm asking you for GP advice because I grind my jaw, particularly when I'm under you know anxiety or stress. Mm. To think that could be relaxed. Look, mm. I can't believe how many things I've learnt today. <laughs> After this, I'm going to make an appointment with you. <laughs> Next interview, Philip, face-to-face, -face, yeah. bring your Botox. Yeah. Very happy to bring my little doctor's bag. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, we'll do a live stream. You can do it on a live stream. Yeah. <laughs> see, how, see my pain threshold. <laughs> I bet it's high. Well, I think it's high, <laughs> yeah. but we'll see. I guess we'll see. It's a tiny needle. You can okay. literally barely, barely feel it. Okay. Just yeah. when you said it goes into this huge muscle, I was like, hmm, that sounds painful. No, it's good. It's good. It's not, not too bad. <laughs> well, I am going to finish back to writing why we're here. I mean, mm. you've heard the podcast. We go on tangents. They're the best parts, I think. So we've good. really done that. We've really <laughs> done that tangent. <laughs> you should be sort of almost prepared for this question, Philip. Mm. Why do you write? Oh, I love this question. And I've heard you ask it so many times. 
I think it's going to change, but I started writing to be creative and as an, as a way of escape, really to escape doom scrolling and bad news and, and to be creative. Um, and, I, and that's still the case now, you know, I, I, at the moment when the kids are having a nap or I've got a spare 10 minutes, there's just nothing sweeter than opening up my phone, going into Google Docs and just, you know, writing something or, or editing something. Um, it's just, it's, it's an escape and it's such a, a creative, um, it's a, such a creative adventure. You know, you really never know where it's going to go. So it's, it's, it's very nourishing, I find. Yeah. Mm, I love that too. And I think it's nourishing too to be a writer, to be a reader, to actually immerse yourself in any art. And I think particularly now when you know everyone's doing it a little bit tough or a lot tough, depending on your situation. Um, you know, I don't think art has ever been so important. And you know, I was able to lose myself in your book. And even though it is like it is a dark book, there's there's moments of light and hope and resilience and, and humor you know, that I really like. I mean, I love a dark book, don't get me wrong. <laughs> They're my favourite. But there were elements of all these things and really interesting stuff as well, you know, as we've touched on, you know, with relationships and marriage and secrets. There was so much in this book that um, really resonated with me. So thank you for thank writing you. it and thank you for sharing your journey. Like that's a vulnerable thing to share your journey about I'm going to pitch this book and you don't know where it's going to go. It turned out amazing for you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's been a real, real wild ride. And yeah, cool. but I think that's why I connected with your tweets because I thought, you know, this is a really vulnerable place to be. You know, was, you know, of course, mm. I was being a cheerleader on the sidelines. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it was really great to see um, the journey, and then you know, holding this book in my hand, it's cool. It's crazy. I can't <laughs> believe that that exists. <laughs> I'm so, so grateful and mm. shocked. Um, and thank you for your cheerleading. You are such a, a bright light on Twitter and for writers and anyone in the writing community. You, you're just a, a, a wealth of knowledge. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. I am, I am enthusiastic. Some people call it annoying and exhausting, but we'll go with what you said. <laughs> no, no. Positive and energising. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. I've just had such a great chat with you. We've gone in all sorts of directions and tangents and um, I've really enjoyed the chat. It's always so good when you get these questions, the news and go outside of the questions. Mm. I think you just have such a such a richer chat. So thank you for being vulnerable yourself and sharing you know, your experiences with me today. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.